So, um, as you, you tell, John uh, Godfrey not with us um, this morning. John and Jenny, uh, his wife Jenny, continue to be away. They'll be flying back this week from Korea. They're in South Korea with um, family, and so um, and probably shared with you last week. But want to want to keep them in prayer. And so, as it turned out, and I. In the early service, I had thanked everybody who stepped up as, as we were both away um, last week. And if you were here last week, you know that the, uh, the video or the service began with the video that, that I did, the introduction. I had no earthly idea that John was going to do a gag reel to begin that video. If you were here, we did that. We went to his house where he's got some of the recording equipment and, and did a video. And again, if you weren't here last week, all, that, all it was was it was the opening, it was the greeting, and, and I just did it on video so that as Renee was here leading worship, she didn't have to worry about that. And it took me about 12 takes to get it right. It was ridiculous how hard that was. And so I kept messing up, and so I, yeah, yeah, that was it, yeah, that was it. Yeah, don't put that up, I'm good, I don't need to see it, I don't need to see it, um, but yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, no, turn it off, turn it off, I'm good, I'm good. I live through it, I don't want to see any more of it. No, stop, yeah, yeah, thank you. So, John is going to be unemployed when he comes back, and I'm, I think Joe might be gone too now, so, um, but, but he did that, and so we had some fun with it, um, but like I said, I didn't know that was going to, that was going to make it. I actually haven't seen it yet, I don't think I want to. What's that? Yeah, I don't think I want to. But, um, but anyway, but, but in all seriousness, we, we pray for them as they're coming back. As, as, and then Tony and, and I and the kids were away. A lot of people have asked, what, you know, what did we do? We flew to Pittsburgh. My brother lives in Pittsburgh, he and his wife and my, both my nephews. And so we flew to Pittsburgh, and, which was nice. I've never been to Pittsburgh. If you can get over the, the god-awful black and gold everywhere, um, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice city. I don't know if there are any Steelers fans out here. So, um, but anyway, so we did, we went to Pittsburgh, and then from there we'd rented a car, and so we drove to Gettysburg, and we spent a couple days in Gettysburg, and we drove to New York City. I've never been to New York City, so we spent a couple days um, exploring as much of New York City as you can see in a couple days. And, uh, and then, we fl- then we drove to Niagara Falls and spent a few days in Niagara Falls, and then we finished at Cedar Point, Ohio, in Sandusky. I, you know, it's funny. I say New York, I say Gettysburg, I say Niagara, nobody says anything. I say Cedar Point and people start murmuring. Um, how many of you have been to Cedar Point? Okay, so uh, the reason we finished there, the, this vacation, what we did as kind of a graduation gift for Ryan, we let him pick vacation within reason. You know, we weren't going to, to Italy, but, but we let him pick, and he likes road trips. So we, we did that, and he is also a roller coaster aficionado. He loves not only riding them, he studies them. He can tell you when they were built, what kind of track it is, how fast they go, how high they go. At one point, whether it was the highest roller coaster in the world, uh, he, he's got the facts down. So, so he had really wanted to go back to, to Ohio. So we did that. And if those of you that have been to Cedar Point know this, but if you've never been there, it's the roller coaster capital. I mean, they've got t- dozens and dozens of roller coasters. And so we spent a few days there. Now, here's the thing. I have always loved roller coasters. I've just, I used to say there wasn't a roller coaster I wouldn't ride. I used to say that. 
Now there's a few I don't ride anymore. Not because of fear as far as of, of the heights or the speed, but because of fear of the pain that I will be in when I get off the roller coaster. Because some of, I can do high, I can do fast, I can do flips, I can do turns. I can't do jerky. You know, the old wooden roller coasters. They, they're just, I, I, 10 years ago we did this and I rode every roller coaster in that park and I was sore for a week after. So, so I rode a lot of them, but there was a few. Ryan, because he knows them, I was like, Ryan, do I want to ride this one? And he'd be like, no, Dad, I don't think you want to ride this one. And I trusted him on that. So there was a few times that he and Cassie and others would get on the, Tony maybe, would get on the roller coaster, I'd sit it out. And that was my opportunity to people watch. That's what I enjoy doing. I like to just, and, and the kids will tell you, and you all know this, any opportunity, anything I see, anything I experience, anything I witness, that has the potential to be a sermon illustration. And that's what happened It's in Sandusky at Cedar Point. As I'm sitting there on one of the, the rides they were on, and I'm just watching. And they've got a couple of the, the amusement park games going on. The, those games where you pay a couple bucks and you try to win, you know, the big stuffed animal type of thing. And usually if you watch people, they will play and they will play and they will play. And if they do happen to win, they've spent twice as much playing the game as the cost of whatever it is they're winning um, to begin with. But, but, you know, that adrenaline takes over and you want to win. It's, it's kind of like that, that kind of gambling um, instinct. The next one's going to be the win. So I'd watch people playing these games and, and they're all, you know, they're rigged against you. They're, they're made so it's very, very difficult. And uh, one of the ones they did, one of the game, it was a challenge, and it was a ladder. You may have seen this. It's, it's a ladder, a rope ladder, that is strung. It's not straight up, but it's, it's, not, quite, it's not parallel to the ground. It's a slight angle, and it's very flimsy. And the goal is simply to stay on the ladder and to get to the top and to ring the bell. If you can climb the ladder and ring the bell, you win. But the, but the problem is it takes almost zero wiggle, if you will, just the tiniest wiggle, tiniest off-balance movement, and that thing's flipping over. And boom, and the person's falling, and you're, you're falling on the soft mat, and, and it's over. And so I watched person after person trying to do this. And I probably saw a couple dozen people try. I saw one person succeed. I only saw one person who made it. And she just had incredible balance. Because as, you know, you're, you're, you don't climb it, you kind of walk it. And it just takes a little bit of off, and you're crashing down. And so I'm watching this, and of course I know what my sermon is this week when I come back. And I thought, you know, there it is. That, that's, that's that image that's going to drive what my thought is. Because I sort of think about that ladder a little bit, as of, uh, and us on that ladder, as our challenge in life. We have so many things that we try to balance in our life, our, our job responsibilities, maybe our, our volunteer opportunities or the things that we're engaged in in our community, our, our families, whether, you know, children or, or grandchildren or parents or siblings, whatever. You know, we're trying to balance all of these things and, and trying to keep everything um, in, a, in a proper perspective, in a proper relationship. And I sort of think, what, what would it look like if we started to create a list and said, so what are the things in our life that we have to keep in balance, that, that we have to, to manage, if you will, that we have to be intentional about? And, and I think for a lot of us, we'd start with the things I just named, family, um, job, maybe our, our social uh, networks and our friendships, uh, family, uh, our, our other commitments that we have. I mean, there'd be an, any number of things we may list and, and that I would list. And what I started to wonder 
is at what point, if any point, on that list would I mention rest? Would I say that the things I have to intentionally balance in my life is the need for appropriate rest? And I don't know, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm not sure I'd, I'd be conscious enough to put that on the list. I don't know if I'm honest, aside from the study I've done now, that I would have put that in my top ten things that I need to balance in my life that rest would have ever shown up. But the reality is if we understand who we are and how we've been created and God's call upon our life and the example of Jesus, rest needs to be a part of it. And it's something we have to be intentional about. Now, came across a joke that I'm going to share with you. You're probably going to be sorry that I did, but you won't forget it. And it goes like this. A woman goes to her refrigerator one day. She opens her refrigerator, and there's a rabbit sitting in the fridge. She looks at it and says, what are you doing in my refrigerator? And he looks at her and says, well, isn't this refrigerator a Westinghouse? And she says, well, of course it is. <laughs> Don't get ahead of me. And he said, well, I'm Westing." Now, I know it's awful. It's terrible. But we all need a Westinghouse. We need that place in our lives. And that becomes our challenge. So let's turn to the gospel. Now, let me tell you how I, I ended, how the seed of this sermon started. I came across a shirt online, that one of those side advertisements that popped up. And that caught my attention because it's the kind of shirt that would catch my attention. And it said, Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. Mark 4.38. And it turned me to this. I knew what the scripture was, but I started going to it. And I started to think about it. And that's kind of the weird way that we got here this morning. And, uh, and so I want to read part of that text from referenced in that t-shirt. Uh, Jesus took naps. Be like Jesus. And it starts, Mark chapter 4 begins at verse 35. These are, this may be a story that's familiar with you. I've preached on it not too long ago. But this is what we read. It says, that day came, when evening came, he, being Jesus, said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also others' boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the winds died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Lord, as the heavens and earth obey your voice. Help us to obey. Help us to hear you speak and, and respond in obedience to the challenge for which you've called us to, to live into the very likeness and the way of Christ. We pray that this time would be blessed by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the thing. When I've preached on Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41, these verses, when you may have heard me preach on these verses, I have a tendency to do what most of us have a tendency to do, I think. And that is when we read this story, we zero in on the miracle of the story. 
we zero in on, on, the, on the climax of the story, which is Jesus standing on the, the stern of the boat, speaking with authority to the winds and the waves and quieting the storm. That's, that's where our attention goes. That's where the focus of the story goes. That's natural, and that's, that's worth study and discussion. That's a powerful moment in the ministry of Jesus and in a demonstration of the authority of Jesus, and powerful so much that it panicked the disciples because they couldn't make sense of, of this kind of authority. They, they, they had processed that he could heal the sick and he could do those kind of miracles, but, but this was even beyond the scope of what they had ever imagined that, that Jesus was capable of. So, so we, we, we focus in there, rightfully so, and that's kind of where the message and that's where the, 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 the theme off, often centers. But I want to drive back, or I want to look back and, and drive into and dig into the, the events that set up that miraculous calming of the storm. And that is Jesus' need to disconnect. That, that is the, the genesis of, of this story. That's the, the driver of this story. Is that Jesus reaches a point at the end of a long day, at the end of teaching as, as he taught, at the end of, of doing miracles as he often did, with crowds coming to see him, to hear him, to be healed by him, to be blessed through him. At the end of this kind of a day, Jesus looks at his disciples and he basically says, and if I can paraphrase, I will, we need to get out of here. We need, I need to get out of here. Now, it's not because he's upset with the crowds. It's not because Jesus is mad at anybody. He doesn't resent the, the people. He, he's not feeling that he doesn't want to do this anymore. It's, it's none of those things. It's just been a long day, and he's spent. And so he says to the disciples, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. The other side represents away from the crowds. The, the need to intentionally disconnect. And the boat becomes that, that that's focus, the object uh, of, of his retreat, if you will, the place where he could, could get away. And, and that becomes somewhat of a theme in, in um, two chapters from this one, in Mark chapter 6, at the, around the feeding of the 5,000, that miracle, Jesus says the same thing at, at, a, at, at the, the, a point in his ministry and, and in his miracles. He says, to his disciples again, let's get in the boat and, and let's kind of go to the other side. It becomes a place of retreat. Now what happens is, to, get a, to, to kind of steer aside for a moment, the crowds become wise to it and they start meeting him at the other side of the sea. They know he's going and they get ahead of him. So even that doesn't always work as well as he'd like. But it demonstrates in the life of Jesus this recognition that he had that his life had to intentionally have balance. And when we study the life of Jesus, we see that balance for Jesus meant not just his teaching ministry, not just the miracles that he performed, not just the words of hope and, and kingdom that he spoke, but was also the times to disconnect from those responsibilities, those callings, those ministries, those people to retreat and to recharge. And the boat, or, or very often, sometimes the boat represents a place for him to sleep, like it did here. But very often, we also read that he withdrew to pray. That Jesus understood that part of his balance needed to be intentional, quiet time with God, in which he could renew his strength in his relationship with his Heavenly Father. It meant intentional times with his closest friends, where he could renew his strength in the power of his most intimate relationships. 
but it meant finding that balance and that place of rest in an act of retreating from the things that we most associate with the life of Jesus. It was building balance into his life. We must build balance in our lives because we very often, at least I do, I feel like I'm on that ladder and I'm always on the verge of, of crashing to one side or the other. You know, with, with all the things that we have going on, all the busyness, all the activities. And, and when I first thought of, first, first started thinking about this sermon in a moment of complete naivety, I thought, well, gosh, this sermon might not speak to our retired people as much. And then I thought for a moment, I'm out of my mind. Because I see many of you in your retired years. And you're as busy as I think you were in your working years. Because of the activities and the volunteering and the, the ways that you serve. So this isn't a sermon that we just we ever outgrow. There's not a point in our lives where we go, well, I think, at least for most of us, no, if I'm good on rest, don't need that anymore. Because it is in, inherent in who we are. And we see this, not just in the New Testament and the life of Jesus, but we see this in the Old Testament. In Exodus 33, I stumbled upon this verse uh, this week as, as I was preparing. There is this, this, Moses is having one of his conversations with God on the mountain that Moses was famous for. And he's, he's kind of asking God about, you know, who's going to lead after me and, and how is this going to work? And I need your wisdom and, and, you know, kind of reveal your plan and, and all of this thing that's swirling in Moses' mind. And God, in, in Exodus 33, says something to Moses. He says, my presence will be with you and I will give you rest. My presence will be with you, and I will give you, and, and if we stop there, my thought would be wisdom, leadership skills, abilities, talents, all of those things are important. But God says, I will give you rest. And I think that rest is important because it is in that we find our strength, because this is rest in the Lord. This isn't necessarily slumber, but it's rest in the Lord, because that's how we're created. We need it. In fact, we get the first example of this in the very creation story. Genesis 1, Genesis 2. In fact, Genesis 2 is where we pick it up. One in, th- in Genesis 1, we've had the six days of creation. As, as God has created heavens from earth, light from darkness, sea from land, vegetation, animals, and, and eventually man and woman in his image. We get at the end of all of that, and in Genesis 2, we come to the seventh day of creation. And what does it say that God did And the seventh day, he rested. You ever thought about that? He rested. Why? God doesn't need to rest, right? I mean, he's not bound like we are. He doesn't fatigue the way we do. God's not, he's omnipotent, um, uh, omnipresent. He's not bound by the, the physical limitations we are. Why does God need to rest? Well, in Hebrew, that word really means that God ceased the activity of creation. That he ceased this very intentional act of of creation. God let his work stop. That his work stopped on that seventh day. Now, God would continue, and God is always in an act of creation. But that very intentional and focused creation ceased on the seventh day. And God did it in such a way as to be an example for us. Because if God felt the need to break from the act of production, busyness, doing then so do we. And in fact, that's exactly what the people understood in Exodus 20. When God gives the commandments, 
the Ten Commandments to Moses. What's one of those commandments? Thou shalt honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. On that day you shall not work. Not you, not your wives, not your household. You shall not work. The Sabbath becomes a holy day of rest. And, and I shared with you before, our, our Orthodox Jewish brothers and sisters, our friends of the Jewish faith, they are much better at taking this seriously than we are. Because nowadays, and, and there was a time when many of us grew up at times when things did slow down on Sundays. Remember when restaurants would be closed? Things, you know, now the only place that, that isn't open on Sundays is Chick-fil-A. And that's about the only day I ever stumbled upon going, man, I really would like some Chick-fil-A. It always seems to be on a Sunday. Last Sunday, we were driving from New York to Niagara. And we we're like, where are we going to stop for lunch? And somebody said, let's stop at Chick-fil-A. Not today, we're not. Um, you know, but, but, th but that's not the norm. Life goes on. It doesn't slow down anymore. But, but that shouldn't be our norm. That should not be our norm. Because we're called and we're, we're commanded for Sabbath, for, for rest, for recharge. And remember, Sabbath didn't mean just lay around and do nothing kind of a day. You didn't work, but you worshiped. Because it was an act of rest. It was understood that rest was found in renewal through our relationship with God. And so... In many ways, what we do here could be understood as rest, as finding renewal in our worship of God, finding renewal in our relationship with others, withdrawing from the other activities that, that dominate our lives Monday through Saturday so we can be focused on recharging and finding our strength in, through Christ and through God's holy presence. Because otherwise, we're on the verge of collapse all the time. When you run that kind of pace, you can't keep up. Eventually, something's got to give. Remember the, in your history the days of the Pony Express? Remember reading about the Pony Express when mail was carried across the western frontier by horseback? Well, those mail carriers had a lot of risks in those days. And one of the great risks that the riders of the Pony Express faced was attack from Native Americans, who were often understood that they were trying to protect their own lands. And so as this Western expansion continued, uh, obviously we know the conflict between um, those who were, who were moving west and, and the Native Americans who are already there. And so they had to, to deal with this, this threat of attack. And, and what would happen is they, you know, the, the Native Americans would ride down and, and give chase to these riders of the Pony Express. So what they did is they just made sure they had the biggest, strongest, fastest horses so that they could simply outrun their attackers. And that's what happened. They would just outrun their attackers. The, the, the ponies of the Native Americans couldn't keep up. But the Native Americans were smart. And they figured out another plan. And this is what they started to do. Rather than simply giving chase in one group, they would scout out the route. And they would position a few riders at this point. Then a few miles further down, they'd have a few more riders. And a few miles further down, they'd have a few more riders. So when the Pony Express came through, the first group would start the attack, or start the chase. And they would chase for a few miles. And when their horses started to get winded, the second group would pick up and would chase for miles. And when that group started to get winded, the third group would pick up the chase and would continue. So long so that eventually the, ponies of the, uh, the, the horses of the Pony Express would collapse from exhaustion because they couldn't keep up the pace they were running. It was impossible to maintain it. I think what happens for a lot of us is that we, we run that same kind of thing. We go, we go, we go, we do, we do, we do. Because isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that what Jesus calls us to? 
that we're supposed to engage the gospel, we're supposed to serve, we're supposed to witness of our faith, we're supposed to, to care for the needy, the sick, the poor, the hurting, to reach out, to do, to be productive, to contribute. All of those things are good. All of those things are important. All of that is true. But Jesus also witnesses something else that we too often forget about. Sometimes we need to step back and rest. Sometimes we need to step back and rest. Jesus says in his invitation, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And we just too often don't do it intentionally. We just don't do it. We try to steal a moment here or we steal a moment there. And I'm just so afraid in my life and in your life and in too many lives that I see teetering on the edge, just ready to flip because things are so out of balance. The question becomes, how good are you? How faithful are you? Forget good. How faithful, how obedient are you to creating moments of rest? Jesus did that. You know what? It's been a long day, guys. Let's get in the boat. Let's, let's retreat. You know what? I need to go off to pray. Let's retreat. Even the night before his own crucifixion, in his moments of agony, he retreated to renew his strength in prayer, in connecting with God and being with those who were his closest and most intimate friends. Do you build that in your, in your life? A few years ago, I, went, I was at a retreat center. And uh, they had prayer rooms at the retreat center uh, where you could go at any time. And they just, they were very sparse. I mean, it was just a, basically a, a fairly, it wasn't even a large room. It was just a small room. Had some pillows on the floor that you could situate to sit however you wanted to. And had Bibles. So one night, I decided to go to the prayer room to, to pray. And uh, went in, and the rooms were dark. Doors were all open for the empty rooms, and they were dark. And so I walked in one of the rooms, and I did what you expect to do. I started looking for the light switch. Couldn't find the light switch. Nowhere. Could not find it at all. So finally, I walked out, and I found somebody who worked there. And I said, where are the light switches? And she said, oh, no, don't worry about that. Just walk in the room. When you shut the door, the light comes on. When you shut the door, the light comes on. I wonder for how many of us God's hungry for us just to shut the door, to, to create those moments when he can shine the light into our lives, into, the, into our decisions, into our challenges, into our spiritual um, understanding, into our relationship with him, to shine the light. But too often we just don't create those places where we shut the door. A book a few years ago called Springs of the Valley told a story about a, an explorer, a traveler, actually better, better said, who was um, crossing part of the savannah of Africa. And to make his travel a little easier, he hired some strong men from one of the local tribes to carry some of the bags and, and other materials. And he didn't know how long this journey, it was a long journey, he didn't know how long it was going to take him to do it. But he was pleasantly surprised and thrilled on the first day when they went a lot further than he expected. They traveled more distance than he'd imagined. And they were made great time. And they camped that night. And the next morning he was anxious to get going and continue the journey, really feeling good about the pace that they were setting. So he gets up and he gets ready to go and he noticed none of the tribesmen were moving. They were all staying, they were sitting, they were relaxing, but they were not moving. And they couldn't figure out why they weren't ready to go. And finally he got to his translator. And he said, what's going on? Why aren't the men up and ready to go? And he said, oh, they're not going anywhere this morning. 
They said that yesterday they went too fast and they need to rest to let their souls catch up with their bodies. They need to rest to let their souls catch up with their bodies. I wonder how many of us need to create time, me, you, to let our souls catch up to our bodies because our pace is too much and we forget that of all those things, all those important, necessary, vital, valuable, worthy things that we have going on, that one of the aspects of our lives that needs to be in balance is our rest and to build that in, to commune with God, to be strengthened by his presence and to let our souls catch up with our bodies. How is your balancing act? How is your balancing act? Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we invite you to speak truth into our lives in these moments. For us to hear the words that, that, that need to become truth for us. For those areas and those times and those places that we need to build rest into our schedule that we need to be about finding time to, to find our strength in you, to devote and spend in our relationship with you and to connect with those who are closest to us, that, that can speak truth and love and, and can invigorate our walk and our journey. So Lord, help us to, to make that part of the equation and to... to create those times for our souls to catch up to our bodies. We pray in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen.